it's not telling us that we're live, but we are. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Friday Night with Friends. And what are friends for except to make you late? That's how <laughs> it works around here. You got to sometimes delay for a friend because they're worth it. We yeah. apologize to all of you. I know that you are all probably hopping up and down and trying to figure out where's everybody and what's happening because we are always early and we've got that loud music that we play you and all that. Well, tonight we've got a special guest for you and he was worth waiting for. At least we hope so. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. It is. If this is your first time with us, welcome. You are on the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church and we welcome you. And tonight is Friday Night with Friends. This is a great time. We invite friends of all kinds of different friends, different stories, different backgrounds, and they join us in the evening and we share all kinds of stories. So you're going to want to sit back and enjoy yourself. We're looking forward to a great time. Now, our co-host tonight, as you can see, is Brother Moss. He is going to be on and be interviewing a good friend that you see there. And uh, this good friend has been around the world, but suddenly we're now sending him around the world in a way he's not quite used to. So video coming through the computer, audio coming through the phone, Stephen doing his wizardry to make it all work together. And hopefully it's all gonna work out. Vincent is gonna be on the questions in just a minute. I'm gonna get out of the way. So before we turn to our guest and, and Brother Moss uh, introduces him to you, don't forget our website, newarkupc.info, particularly if you're new to us. That is where you can join a small group. You can submit prayer requests. You can learn more about us. So we'll mention that to you at the end as well. But Brother Moss, let me get out of the way. And why don't you go ahead and introduce our friend and our guest tonight? All right. Tonight, we are so very glad to have with us Brother and Sister Ed Wheeler, Ed and Patsy. These are long-time friends. We have been friends and associated in the gospel since, uh, what school year was that? 1965-66 at T Texas Bible College in Houston. And uh, Patsy was uh, Patsy Knight when I first met her. Uh, Brother Ed Wheeler is also a Texas boy. He's from the panhandle of Texas, and we are glad to have them with us this evening. They have had, as has been said, a what I would consider a worldwide ministry, uh, missionaries, particularly to the Philippines. Uh, they have ministered <clears throat> in the United States and Canada as well, and we are glad to have them with us tonight. And uh, I'm going to ask, rather than doing a lot of, of questioning, I'll, I may have some questions to fill in, but if I could just ask them to begin to tell a, a, a little bit of their story, and why don't we start with after you got out of Bible school, maybe, unless you've got something particular to put in there, uh, about your early work as a minister of the gospel? Well, praise the Lord. And uh, I apologize for, um, uh, for this being a little late. We, we got started with this digital world back in Bible school days, but uh, we never, never surprised at, at new surprises. 
Uh, and uh, it's good to see our our, our very good friend, uh, Brother Roy Moss. Uh, we we came to love him and respect him back in Bible school days, and uh, to get on with the, with the questions. So, uh, and so in the first few years, uh, uh, initially after Bible school, we traveled as itinerant preachers as an itinerant preacher around and, uh, and, and then actually came and sat under Brother Verbal Bean in the Houston area and assisted him uh, as a personal assistant until uh, just shortly before we went to the Philippines. And we, we resigned in 1974 to begin deputation and landed in the Philippines in March of 1975. Okay. And uh, I have a, a note here uh, that you had some, some health problems along the way. Uh, septic shock in 1980? Yes. Uh, we, uh, we really wanted to believe God for our healing. We know God's a great healer, and so we started in September with some real, uh, with some carbuncles that, that left me quite ill, and then eventually became very ill and uh, got to the place that we realized that uh, I was really, really low on blood, so much so I was struggling to, to stay alert. And uh, so my wife and I just prayed a simple prayer. We prayed more fervently over our food. And I just said, God, I need a blood transfusion right now in Jesus' name. And, and God so wondrously uh, gave me the miracle that we needed. And uh, we just still rejoice at what he did for us. I finally, the, the, the uh, sore the, the, the massive sore that developed on my thigh eventually quit draining in February. So this was an illness from September to February. Hmm. So it was protracted, but God was good to us. Okay. When you first went to the, to the Philippines, I understand that things were a little bit rough when you first got there. Or, or am I understating that? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, uh, it was uh, it was kind of interesting, and we were we were trying to live on seven hundred and fifty dollars a month and support a Bible school, which uh, which really uh, <laughs> we we needed God pretty often, and uh, God never failed us. There were times we prayed for food. But uh, God never failed us. He always came through and helped us out. Okay. Uh, Patsy, let me ask you about this next one because I, I want your take on it about the, the uh, sickness in 1984 uh, when, uh, when he got so bad. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, well, he became very ill, and um, we stayed home for several weeks, but he was just getting worse and worse, and he wasn't uh, 
progressing at all. In fact, it was just the opposite. So we eventually went to a little hospital there in Kagiandi Oil City and back in Bindanao. And uh, it was quite a, quite a hard time. And, um, but back in Manila, we had made friends with a diplomat. We did not know he was a diplomat at the time. But when my husband, when he became sick, uh, God used his name is uh, uh, John Chang, and he is a he was a diplomat with Asian Development Bank. God used him to arrange a United States Air Force airlift to get us off the island of Mindanao. Took us to Clark Air Base, and it was so nice to see American soil and that beautiful American flag. Yeah. And from there, he became better. There's a lot of story in between, but that's just the highlight. Okay. What were the uh, problems that he was experiencing at that time? He was experiencing septic shock. He had, um, uh, they gave him insulin because they thought he was a diabetic, which he was not. It's a, and that is a, another miracle that he survived that, but, and then he had a septic shock. He had, uh, oh, what do they call that? Staph pneumonia. Staph pneumonia, which began to uh, uh, eat, eat up his lungs is what it was doing. And um, so we were, he was in bad shape. He could not even lift his arms hardly. He couldn't, he was, uh, he was unable to even, get to the bathroom by himself. He was just really in bad, bad condition. When we got to Air, the Air Force Hospital there at Clark, the head of the hospital staff was on duty. And uh, he, they worked for, we got there around six, seven o'clock in the morning and they worked till afternoon just to sit in A-line because his veins were all messed up because of the steel needles that they used in Mindanao. And uh, it was a pretty grim scene. Uh, if God hadn't have overtaken and did a miracle, not just one, but many miracles, he would not be here today, Brother Moss. And uh, we're just thankful for the family of God that prayed for us during that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the deal with uh, staph pneumonia is that you secrete a, a, a fluid that causes you to lose a lot of lung tissue. So I coughed up uh, lung tissue by the hands full. Mm. Gracious. And I, I look at my notes here and you had a bleeding ulcer at the same time? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So well, everything was... Go ahead. The sickness began in mid-December, and I eventually was airlifted to Texas and finished off and was finally dismissed out of the hospital in early February. So it was half of December and all of January and part of February. Mm-hmm. So you had septic shock, staph pneumonia, and a bleeding ulcer. Actually, actually malnutrition, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anything <laughs> worth doing is worth overdoing, I guess. <laughs> well, it doesn't look like it now, but I did back then. <laughs> All right. So, 
can you tell us a little bit about the work that that you did, what you found when you got to the Philippines and, and how it developed? What happened? Well, uh, it was it was a real challenge. And uh, and I guess it, it I guess it added a lot of meaning to uh, the second chapter of John when early on Jesus uh, had disciples that believed on him, but then uh, later in the chapter many believed on his name, and he didn't commit himself to them because he knew what was in the hearts of all men. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have wisdom and so it took me a long time to sort out the true believers from the people that that wanted to they were there really for loaves and fishes mm-hmm. and so it was a long difficult process and uh, and part of the difficulty was that we had some misguided people that took us to court to try to uh, steal the property and so that was a, about a year and a half of court battle uh, to save to save the properties we had, so those those years were uh, <laughs> those those years we're just glad they're gone. <laughs> yeah, you, you can laugh about it now, but it was not a laughing matter then. No. Yeah, I fought to stay in the country. They were they were trying to get me extradited, and it got pretty nasty. But but God was good to us. Okay. And so having won the battle to keep the property, maybe I should ask, what was the next challenge? Because I know how ministry works. You go from challenge to challenge to challenge. Well, well, Brother Moss, so so I had difficulty understanding why I had to come home. uh, But the sickness in 1984-85, uh, I couldn't live in the country full time after that, okay. and, and I was very disappointed uh, because I had gone with the idea of spending all my useful years there. But uh, but so in the sixteen or so years afterwards, between the time that uh, of the airlift until uh, we got our headquarters facility, uh, we couldn't spend much time in the country. And it was in these years that we lost the people that were basically after loaves and fishes. So after the loaves and fishes people left in the early 90s, God opened the door for us to get a a headquarters facility and we could go and stay in the country three or four months out of the year. And it was in those years that we we really established... uh, Really, we established the second generation people. Uh, your first generation people are special because they've they've come out of paganism, but the second generation people didn't grow up uh, in a home with the television in it. They didn't grow up in a home where they had uh, pagan idols, and so they were really special people. And uh, so we really worked very hard. At, at establishing the second generation people. And, and then they had a hand in helping us as we reached out into uh, Vietnam, uh, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, and Thailand. And we brought in students 
from all of those countries and and worked with them some, but we didn't. We only got works. We really only had a viable work in in Cambodia when we resigned. We we were trying to get something started in Vietnam, but uh, the communists uh, just made that impossible. But when we did resign, we had uh, we had a work and a branch work in Phnom Penh. Phnom Penh, okay. Uh, how how many churches do did you have at the end in uh, in Cambodia? We had uh, we had two works in Cambodia. We had a total of twenty two, uh, counting churches and branch works. Uh, we had twenty two when we resigned. Two of which were in Cambodia. Okay, and and how many were there there when you started? Do you have Do you remember zero? Zero. Zero. Yeah, it was a it was a miracle how God got us in there because uh, uh, the 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 Philippine government is one of the tenth most corrupt nation governments in the world, and to get our visas, they were. Uh, uh, they were. We had to pay so much money under the table to get our visas. We decided instead of paying all that money, we would just leave the country and come back, and we'd automatically have a 59-day extension. And it was on that trip out of the country and back that we met a man who who introduced us to a man who introduced us to the people that that <laughs> ended up serving God. So so. Uh, so Mr. Trung uh, was kind of a shyster, but he introduced us to Hoa, who was a little less of a shyster, who introduced us uh, to Brother Hong and Brother Nyat, who, who became very faithful and loyal ministers of the gospel. So it was a long process. <laughs> you just never know where a contact is going to lead, do you? Right. You never know. Okay. So you had a Bible school, and you had uh, folks of the students there from Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, and Myanmar. Now that's Burma, isn't yes. it? Okay, what we yes, that's old Burma. old Burma, and they just changed the name of it. Okay, so you brought these these students in and and taught them, and then sent them back to their countries. Yes, we had a three-year program. Uh, we we had school uh, throughout each day, and we had an eight 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 month program, a three-year program uh, that we sent our our students through. And and then when they got back, do you do you know what has uh, if anything has happened, or that you know of that has happened? as a result of their witness in their countries? Most of them, we don't have, we don't have much follow-up from them. Uh, the two that really panned out was Vietnam and Cambodia. Okay. But we do have but people we, in, in those countries. What? But we do live in hope that someday that, oh, yes. that, that, that fruit of that labor will materialize. Well, you sow the seed, and then we're not, our job is to sow the seed, and God will give the harvest. If, if, yes, we, yes. if we get people there that know it and will share it, God will give us a harvest. 
so uh, anything else you can you can tell us about uh, your your work there in in uh, the Philippines? Well, uh, you know, God's very good to us, and uh, and when I when I first started working into Vietnam and Cambodia, we had a lot of hurdles, and uh, and at one point I had to leave the country real suddenly. Uh, we were having trouble back in the Philippines. The government almost uh, uh, was almost had a successful coup, and uh, and I. And it's the first time I had ever set my phone up for international roaming because it was 80-something dollars a minute. But my wife was able to call me. And uh, and so I came home in a short notice and uh, and later learned that I had been set up to be kidnapped. So so God's just, uh, God's just really good to us. He's really, really been good to us. So, so one problem prevented another. Yes. <laughs> yes, it yes, it did. But he, he, the Lord nearly had to see an, a government overthrown to get you out of there safely. It's amazing what it costs. <laughs> <laughs> you are a very valuable man, but I've known that for a long time. So God's really been good to us, Brother Moss. He's really been good to us. So where are you now? We're in we're in Madera, California. Uh, there's a Highway 99 goes the length of the state, and uh, there are uh, two trees in the median that marks the midpoint between Oregon and Mexico. And we are six miles north of the trees, so we're near the middle of the state. Oh, okay. Okay. And I presume that you are still active in, in ministry there? Uh, as much as we can. Uh, I still write. Uh, I, I love to write, and I still write. And uh, when, we, when COVID's not in the way, I speak in the church here. Mm -hmm. And uh, Speaking of COVID has besides shutting down what you can do in on the local level how has covid affected your ministry in other ways opened anything up well it, it did brother moss uh uh I, i'm i'm surprised we had so many glitches with zoom here uh, i have an old uh, macbook pro that the speakers are failing in it and so i had always gotten on zoom with it and so I had to, anyway, so I'm using a computer that's, that, that I don't usually use, so we had glitches, but I've spoken in uh, Prince Edward Island, Texas, Arizona, uh, Nevada, and uh, California. Sitting, <laughs> and in your living room. Sitting in your living room. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Oh. Well, things have definitely changed since we went to Bible college. Oh my! Yeah, when when you drove that Volkswagen back all the way back down to Houston to be in our wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, yeah. I, this is one of the weddings that I was I was there when they got hitched, and it was it was quite a deal. Yeah. 
<laughs> Brother Moss, uh, I remember going to your apartment, and uh, I always enjoyed there because uh, you always wanted to talk about the Lord and talk about the Word of God. And and uh, I think that's one of the reasons I was drawn to you. Well, what better subject is there than than the Lord and His Word? Yes, yes. So uh, uh, I might mention that uh, the first time that I had seen you uh, since you dropped by when I was pastoring in Bartlesville, you were traveling. Uh, getting ready to go back to the Philippines, stopped by and preached for us one night and then went on. But uh, that was, I don't even know how many years ago. And then the first time that I'd seen you again was when we were out there, what, a year or so ago with Brother and Sister Booker. Something like that, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. It was so nice to have you in our home. Yeah, we we really enjoyed it. and. We went out for breakfast and the next morning. I'll share this little little point. Now, Brother Wheeler and I are both from Texas. He's from the Panhandle, if I remember correctly. And I'm yes. farther, still way out in West Texas, almost to New Mexico, uh, but farther down than uh, his area. And uh, Brother Booker is originally from Colorado. And we were sitting at breakfast and one of the ladies happened to mention that uh, all three of our wives are from Oklahoma. Sister, oh. Booker, <laughs> Sister Booker is from uh, Sperry, which is just, it's a suburb of Tulsa. Sister Moss is from uh, Morris, which is about 50 miles south of Tulsa. And then Sister Wheeler, Patsy is from Mangum, Oklahoma, way out in the west, almost to the panhandle of Texas. Yes. About, yes. How far is it from, from Mangum to Willow? Do you remember? It's not far. To, no, to Willow, Oklahoma? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I didn't understand where you said. Willow, Oklahoma. Oh my, it's not far. I yeah. would say 40 miles maybe. 40 miles at most, probably. I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking maybe it might be, be closer than that, but Willow is where my father was born. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're, we're from, at least at one point, from the same area of the country, more or less. So. Right, right. Wow. So, well, all of us guys smartened up and got Oklahoma gals. Yeah, I think that was one of the points being made at the table that morning. <laughs> Brother Nelson, you know, he was our district superintendent, said, yeah. now, don't you go get you a Texas boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, that's what you went and did. <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. I remember... <clears throat> that uh, the night that y'all were married, that uh, right after the wedding, whatever reception there might have been there, uh, and some of the some of the boys were a little ornery, and I remember yes. watching y'all head for the car, and some of them were, who knows what they were planning to do, 
and Eddie yeah. picked you up and carried you down the sidewalk to to speed up your exit from around those that situation. And somehow that yeah. is burned in my mind. I can I can close <laughs> my eyes and still see it. <laughs> You know, my, my roommate had stayed awake all night waiting for me to come home. He, he made the mistake of telling me he was going to keep me awake all night, so I just went over to the church and spent the night. Uh -huh. So he, he missed all night sleep. Well, then then when they followed us to a large intersection, and uh, he tried to get in our car. It was a two-door, and, and uh, I left him standing in the middle of a big intersection holding his hand. So he wasn't real happy when I got back home. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we were young and frisky way back. They but told us pride, which is one of the reasons I was a little aggressive there is because they'd said they were going to steal the bride. And I thought, well, I hadn't seen anybody here I think can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, sure enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think our time is uh, about ready for maybe some questions from the uh, folks that are watching tonight. I am sure glad to be able to talk with y'all again. Okay, here's my it's brother and sister Wheeler. This is my oldest grandson, Vincent. And he's doing the oh. questions and handling the tech for us tonight. Pleasure to meet you both. We do have some questions stacked up. So the first one is actually for, well, I'll just stay formal, for Brother Moss. So the first one is actually, do you have any funny memories about that young man? About <laughs> Brother Wheeler? Yep, they just used your own uh, wording and said, do you have any funny questions about, or funny uh, stories about him from your past? Really? <laughs> I, I don't have any really funny stories. I, I do have some pictures from, oh, what would that have been? Probably 1966 camp meeting Long in the... Uh, yeah. In Amarillo, Texas, Texaco District. And okay. uh, I, I snapped a couple of pictures while Eddie was working on his car. Something was wrong on his car at, at camp meeting. And it just so happened that he had somebody uh, who is also on this broadcast tonight, not me, but someone who is on this <laughs> broadcast tonight, handing him tools and helping him and keeping him from being lonesome while he was working <laughs> on that car on the campgrounds of the Texaco district. And I've got a couple of pictures of it somewhere. And oh, wow. really our, our association, as, as he had mentioned earlier, was largely on that when we were together, we were talking about the scriptures and talking about the Lord. So funny stories, no. Uh, there are not a whole lot of funny stories in my background. All but, right. Uh, All right. These are great people. <laughs> we, we probably, they probably thought of us as serious minded, both of us. Probably so. 
All right, so then the next one is for the Wheelers. It asks, uh, when, uh, like, what year did you go to Asia, and when did you retire? We went, we first went in 1975, and we retired in 2015. So 40 years spent on the field, my goodness. We actually lacked, uh, we lacked about two and a half weeks being 40 years. (laughs) Oh, that's still a nice chunk of time. We'll we'll round it up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, can you tell us of any miracles you experienced while you were in the Philippines, Cambodia, et cetera? Well, uh, uh, the the blood transfusion that I mentioned was was a big one. And uh, uh, in, in 2010, I had a stroke. I picked up a parasite in uh in in indochina that was a spinoff of uh agent orange and uh that parasite caused me to have a stroke and i didn't feel well enough to go to the airport i had my nephew was coming in and uh, i didn't feel well enough to go to the airport but a student came in and very very forcefully said you must go sir and so because I was uh, in the van, uh, my stroke was not nearly as bad. We, where we lived, uh, it would have taken over an hour to get a taxi and then add another hour to get to the hospital. So I had the people that knew how to, that knew a lot about therapeutic massage. And uh, if I had not uh, followed that student's advice, my strokes would have been a whole lot worse. So I guess that's one of the more recent miracles. My goodness, that is impressive. So um, let's see, just looking through the other comments here. So another one that's come up is, how did you communicate with the Filipino and Cambodian people? Did you learn the language or did you use translators or how did you communicate? Well, In the Philippines, uh, everybody there that's educated is educated English. So everybody there spoke English. And uh, and so we worked with many different languages. So I used a translator. I also used a translator in Vietnam and Cambodia. Uh, We had a a class in later years there. We had 16 students, and they spoke 13 languages. So we worked across so many different language groups that uh, I didn't learn. I was not fluent in any of the languages, but some of the languages I preached in, uh, if my interpreter needed help, I could usually give him the word he needed, or if he made a mistake, I could usually catch him. But uh, as far as knowing grammar and word order, uh, I never I never got that far along, so we relied on, on translators. All right. So then another one that's come up is how long have the two of you been married? 54 years, May the 20th. Yep. <laughs> that is a good length of time. It's a good start. <laughs> you know, only over twice my entire lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> So another one is, so another one that's come up is uh, why or how did you end up there in Asia? 
Well, I had a uh, I had a, a a desire to be a missionary from childhood. Uh, we were farm people. Grew up on a great big farm, very remote. weren't around people much, but if a missionary came, I'd sit around and listen to the stories, and I still remember some of the names, and uh, and had a dream of being a missionary. And so then uh, it was in about 1972 that a missionary from the Philippines came by, and uh, and I just felt such a burden to go. And so I told God, I said, God, if you uh, if you want me to go to the Philippines, you got to talk to my wife. And so he did. But I will say this, that before I asked my wife to marry me, I asked her if she would be willing to be a missionary, and she said yes. So we got married. That's a cool story. Well, I mean, I know that our church can understand your desire to be a missionary we have not, I believe, been fortunate enough to have any missionaries come out of us yet, but we're, we're looking forward to the day when someone receives that call. Our church loves missionaries. Well, I mean, missionaries, of course, are the heroes of the faith. You're the ones who go out there and spread the, you're the ones uh, who are helping as much as we are to spread that great commission, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. So in the Philippines, what was the food like, and did you like it? <laughs> oh, I liked the fruit. <laughs> like the fruit? Uh, I like the fruit, yes. Uh, you know, I never, there weren't very many Filipino dishes that I actually could enjoy, but there was a lot of Chinese influence there, and I love Chinese food, so we enjoyed the Chinese influence. Well, that comes in handy. So what were, for example, some of the dishes that you had a bit more of a problem enjoying? Well, uh, as far as difficulty enjoying, well, uh, so we were having a fellowship meeting and I, and uh, they asked me if it was okay to eat a double dead duck. And I said, what's a double dead duck? And they said, well, Brother Ben's duck died last night and we ate him today. And so uh, he stayed down, so I was happy. But what I would do is when I went out into the remote areas, because I went where, where where white faces had never been before. I went in very remote areas. And uh, so I had a, an array of things I'd carry with me, uh, pinto beans and some cheese and uh, tuna fish and a few things like that, but I always carried sweetened condensed milk. And uh, I found that when I got in the little huts out there, there were some things that I couldn't identify, and it just didn't want to go down. And so I have never put sweetened condensed milk on anything that wouldn't go down and stay. So uh, we were fond of sweetened condensed milk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the next question is, how many children and grandchildren do you two have? I have, uh, we have one daughter and she has two children, a boy and a girl. All right. They're almost as handsome, they're almost as, handsome as Brother Moss's grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully I'm not the exception to that rule, but who knows? <laughs> so the next one is, uh, Sister Wheeler, what was your role there? 
And then actually a second part of that one, did you have modern conveniences and appliances or did you kind of have to scrape some stuff together? <laughs> I didn't understand. Uh, what was your role there? At first I taught in Bible school. I taught music, I taught songs, and I taught, um, later years I was the office manager and uh, spoke with ladies groups, worked with the young people, the children, children's choir, taught them how to, how to march in, how to march out. And, and they were really, really cute. The children's choirs was really, a lot of times, the darlings of our conferences. That's great. I, I'm going I'm to add here, if I may. And so, so uh, my wife filled a role, uh, especially after we got our headquarters, that was so valuable because uh, uh, she and her team were able to uh, spot so many things that were so critical and uh, and uh, only heaven's gonna gonna be able to reveal what a what a great asset she was to the work there. Just uh, it's hard it's hard to describe her role, but just uh, we uh, when we got our headquarters building, the work really became polished off a lot, and a lot of that goes to my wife and her work there. Pretty incredible. She's not going to say that, so I have to. <laughs> Well, just doing your job there then and doing a good job at it. Yeah. <laughs> Bible does say to give honor to whom honor is due. So then, <laughs> so then the next question is, tell us some of the outstanding things that happened when you went to the remote places. Well, uh, uh, one of the first ones I went to that never had had an American car in there I think I was the second white man I'd ever been there. Never been a car of any kind. Uh, they, it was normally only four-wheel drive uh, road, 19 miles of it. But I caught it when uh, when it was dry. I grew up on a farm, so I kind of had a little experience at make do stuff. And we'd had a lot of problems in that church. They'd tried to burn the church out, and they had done a lot of things to try to destroy the work there and so when I went into town they were pretty upset because the church got so much attention first car to come in town so a guy called us out of church the barangay captain insisted we leave church and come talk to him and so he had an old m1 rifle and a and a pearl handle pistol and uh, he threatened to shoot us he, he was pretty upset and and it was pretty tense, but uh, but uh, God God helped us out again. And so the next time we came to town, I I told him to let the barrio captain know we were coming. Uh, my wife and daughter came with me the second time, and uh, and uh, the people really uh, flocked around to see white women for the first time. We saw a very primitive tribal. A lot of very primitive tribal people showed up at that meeting. All right. So let's see the next one. Uh, so you mentioned uh, while you were speaking the threat of being kidnapped. So what put you at risk? Was it that you were Christians or Americans or what factor contributed to that risk? Uh, uh, Americans, an opportunity 
to uh, to take somebody for ransom and and uh, demand money. Okay. We, uh, in uh, that that area of the world uh, between the South China Sea and the Straits of Malacca, uh, the Muslims raised over thirty million in one year, kidnapping foreigners and businessmen. So it was pretty lucrative. Yep. All right. So uh, did you get your food, the food that you ate whenever you were cooking for yourselves? Did you get that food at a grocery store or market or how did you get that? Uh, We both, we went to the market and we went to the supermarket. So both. Okay. So, Uh so um, previously you'd said that when you were preaching your messages, uh, you generally used a translator, but you also picked up a little bit of the languages. So one of our church members asked specifically, can you speak or I guess I could expand that a little bit. Can you speak or understand well enough to communicate any of the Filipino dialects or generally just English? I had uh, what I call street knowledge through in different languages. Uh Primarily, uh, I knew more Cebuano and Tagalog, uh, but uh, but I could get through the markets in several different languages, meaning uh, uh, asking the cost of things and bartering and asking directions and and stuff like that. So I had street knowledge in several languages, but I had but I was most knowledgeable in in Tagalog and and Visayan. All right. So when you went to the remote places, what kind of facilities did you use to hold church? Well, uh, many of those were were, uh, simple bamboo structures. Uh, In some cases, they they were a home that was being utilized. But oftentimes it was a a simple bamboo structure with the Nipa roof and uh, bamboo walls and uh, split bamboo for the for the seats for the benches all right so 1975 that would be around the era of the vietnam war so how did the effects of that war affect your work well uh i don't know that we had much direct impact uh i don't think it impacted us much there was a uh uh an economic zone where they brought refugees in and out, but it it didn't really affect us directly personally. So were there any people you came in contact with that it did affect more? You know, uh, possibly so, you know, uh, uh, an answer to a different situation, but uh, might be of interest. So, that Vietnam War itself didn't so much affect us there. It would have more people up in Subic Bay. But I will say that we, uh, that uh, I was over in a remote island and later learned that less than 50 miles away there was a straggler from World War II. Wow. <laughs> Japanese straggler. Yeah, the island of Mindoro, we were, we were not very far. Once they located the man, I checked on the map, and we had been very near him when he was still hiding in the, in the caves over there. Yep. 
I've heard the stories of how that war la it lasted a lot longer than uh, the actual war did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. The next question is: What kind of food was plentiful to buy, easy to get a hold of, and what kind of things were scarce? Uh, uh, chickens were plentiful. Beef was very, very scarce, and uh, uh, pork was readily available. And by the way, it was delicious. And uh, potatoes were scarce. Cauliflower was scarce. They had good carrots. Eggplant was uh, readily available. Uh, lots of good, good vegetables like green beans, squash. All of that was grown there, so that was easy to get to get. I mean, sorry. Plus, all the good fruit. That's interesting. Bit of a different variety from what we get in the states. Yeah. For apple pie, we use mangoes for our, it was a different taste, but hey, when you're hungry for apple pie, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what you can in do. The, in the mountainous regions, they grew corn because they couldn't flood the land for rice. And so when they ground the corn, uh, they would put a small container because the, the mills and everything were, were so dilapidated. And uh, so the fine corn flour would sift through the smaller openings. And normally they, they, they called it tick-tick and they fed it to their chickens. But we would uh, go down and buy that stuff at a, at a very cheap price. And it made delicious cornbread out of pure corn hearts. Oh, interesting. So let's see. So what other fruits were available? We usually had our we usually had our conferences in February, and our our guests from America were thrilled to eat fresh watermelons uh, in February. Uh, pineapples were so sweet that uh, we need to find another name for what we eat over here. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had what we called a mangosteen, which was uh, which was an exotic fruit. Uh, we had lonsonis, which uh, I don't have to describe them about the size of a grape, but a little bit different. It had jackfruit. Uh, if you, I don't know if you have an Asian market, but a jackfruit is a huge piece of fruit that's real rough looking. Uh, uh, called lonsoni when you get it uh, processed. Uh, and, coke, and of course, coconuts. We, we love the coconuts and they were readily available. All right. So just one last question. And that one is, how did you two stay healthy on the mission field? Or did you have problems with that? My mother sent us vitamins. And ah. uh, we would take them. And uh, later years, we got into the Chinese community. And we uh, took Chinese herbs a lot of times. My daughter and I both struggled a lot with infections over there. Uh, so we, we both of us had a lot of problem with that. But, uh, but like my wife said, it was, uh, we, we learned to have a lot of respect for, uh, for Chinese medicine and for, uh, 
uh, holistic, more holistic stuff. Really was a great help. All right. So I'm going to switch back out with my father and he will wrap things up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure, brother and sister Wheeler, having you with us. Thank you for taking time and spending it with us. Thank you, Brother Moss, for introducing us to another one of the heroes of our faith. And uh, it's one thing to read the Bible and read of all the characters and, and all that they did, the miracles of Jesus. And it's an amazing thing to see that these signs really do follow them that believe. It's not just the past. It's the present. Even though it's your past, Brother and Sister Wheeler, and it's slightly ours, it's still within the present. And so thank you for uh, spending time with us. And I trust that our church family has enjoyed and, and I hope that your faith is encouraged. And uh, Brother Moss, you have some closing remarks? Just, I just wanted to mention one thing that though I had not seen the Wheelers for many years, uh, back there a few years ago, my nephew, Joey Waldrop, went over and spent quite some time uh, helping them in in their work there. Uh, and I just wanted, I see I have surprised Sister Knight that, or Sister Wheeler. Yeah. <laughs> that goes back. My, but uh, yeah, Joey's my nephew. And he really- Okay, he was a boy. He, he loved it. He really him. enjoyed it and came back respecting you even more than he already did when he went there. So oh. just wanted to uh, add that in. Awesome. That? Uh, Brother Moss, you know. Well, it's good to, good to have you folks with us tonight. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we hope that you will join us. We broadcast every night except for Monday night. So Tuesday through Sunday, we broadcast 7 p.m. every single night. And uh, we would welcome you during this season where we are having to shelter in place and utilize the internet. Thank God for the provision of that. Yes. Wouldn't the Apostle Paul have loved to have the opportunity of the internet? He would have saved his feet a whole lot of walking. And uh, he might not have written as many letters, which, of course, would have been our loss. But anyway, we're glad that you've been with us. Again, let me mention to you that our website is a great place to go if you're looking for information about us and uh, how to connect with us, how to connect with a small group partner with us in giving, submit prayer requests, all of those kinds of things. Brother and Sister Wheeler, again, thank you for being with us tonight. We so appreciate thank it. You. And we honor you for your time, your service to the kingdom. And uh, we pray God's blessing upon you, that he will continue to be with you and, and give you blessings. And to the rest of our audience,